Welcome back to an all new episode of Hebrew Hits. I'm your host, Malia, and today I have Mrs. Fagy Steinmetz of Canada here with me to share a little insight into her life and to how she is and her whole family is impacting the entire Jewish community. So first, I want to say thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Malia. Appreciate it. Um, so I heard your speech this morning that you gave last night, and it was extremely, extremely moving. Um, I had a few questions prepared of what I wanted to ask you, and it was just so powerful that I switched a little bit of, <laughs> of how this interview, um, the focus of it a little bit. But I, I do want to start off by saying that the Mayron tragedy, if people don't know, you are Dovey Steinmetz's mother. And it, it was a huge tragedy. So many people lost their lives, but something about Dovey, his neshama and him as a human being has been able to impact people across the entire world. I have never met your family. I never met Dovey, but I have been personally like inspired and moved by him. And there's a reason why his name has made it around the world that people are hearing stories about him specifically. So I want to pass this over to you and ask you if you can share like a little bit about Davi and why you think this is the case that his name and him as a person is affecting so many people. Well, Davi really was just a regular boy. He was normal. He, he wasn't anything, so to speak, he wasn't special in any way, shape or form. He was a regular yeshiva boy. He wasn't extraordinary, you know, in any particular area other than he was extraordinary. He was everyone's best friend, or at least everyone thought he was their best friend. I mean, during the Shiva, everybody came over to tell me, you know, he was my son's best friend. The funny thing was that when people came over to tell me um, I'm Yaakov's mother, or I'm David's mother, or I'm Sroli's mother, I honestly didn't know who those boys were because Dovey never referred to those boys by the, by those names. Everybody was Jake or Dave or, or Josh or this. Um, I felt so stupid. Mm -hmm. And I was like, does your son have another name? And those mothers looked at me so blankly. And I was like, mm, okay. And I just nodded and I smiled. And then later on, as I was looking through pictures, I realized boys never refer to their friends by their real names. Yeah. They kind of have their own language. And it was funny. And, and as I got to know his friends kind of afterwards, and I referred to them by the names that Dovey called them, I realized their mothers have no clues. You know, like they were so clueless about, you know, their other lives. Um, Dovey was a real people's person. He loved people of all ages. It didn't really matter who they were, um, what their backgrounds were. He just loved them for who they were. And he just appreciated people. Um, you know, during COVID, especially during COVID, when people were so, so isolated, mm -hmm. um, he, you know, for example, he had a boy from his yeshiva that was from England. And he used to learn with him on Zoom every day for two hours. Mm -hmm. And his mother told me afterwards that those two hours were the only two hours of the day that that boy actually came out of his room. He would lock himself into his room. He was so lonely and so isolated. And he was like, he was like a hermit. He refused to come out of his room. He was alone. But those two hours that Dovey zoomed and learned with him, 
He was a completely different person. He was, he was alive. And Debbie had that knack for being able to pick up on those boys who would need to pick me up. And he zoomed in on that. And it was amazing. But he never made those boys feel as if he were picking up those boys. Those boys were picking up Dovey. Wow. And that was his chush. That was his intuitiveness. And was it something that you did that you brought him up in a certain way that he became like this? Because, I mean, it could be that he was born this way, but it does stem from the parents, I feel like. No, I, I really raised my children to be very self-sufficient. I never coddled my children. My, my kids, like, my, my kids used to laugh. My, my friends used to laugh, actually. Like, your kids can literally take care of themselves. Like, my oldest, my, my three older kids were three under the age of three. My oldest son, Yuri, was literally feeding his two younger brothers, Svi and Zavi, from the time he was three years old. He was giving them breakfast. They made themselves lunch. I mean, it was a comedy scene. My 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 house was a circus. Um, <laughs> they were just a team. Really, they they loved each other. I mean, don't, I mean, they killed each other. Don't kid yourself. They're boys. They were, yeah, they're they boys. were real boys. Yeah. I had five boys and one princess. They were real boys, and they were normal. They they killed each other. They fought with each other. I mean, they weren't wild in the respect that my house was like upside down and and I had, you know, broken walls or anything like that. Yeah. But they were boys. They they played hockey. They played, you know, they did crazy things. But no, they they were just fun. They loved each other. Yes, they they fought over the bikes and they fought over the hockey pucks, but they were normal fun-loving boys, real boys to you the nth degree. Do you feel that Dovey was a Gavra? And I'll tell you why I'm asking this question. I was looking things up online and I found a video that I was like surprised how he got there, unless he made this appointment before. I don't know how, how but I saw um, in Mayrone, I'm sure it was that night, he was pouring oil on one of the bonfires. Right. And so he bought, he bought that privilege. He bought the privilege to pour the oil on the hadlaka, but he felt that it wouldn't be right for him to be the only one to have that privilege. So he also bought the privilege for him and his friends to do it. Wow. So it was him and two other boys, or maybe possibly even three other boys who had that privilege to pour the oil on the hadlaka. It looks like to me, from what I saw and tell me if I'm wrong, he searched out mitzvahs to do. Like his life he was led to a mitzvah. He really, it's funny, he had a very old soul. You know, most boys like to listen to, to like very, you know, upbeat modern music, you know, very current music. He liked that too, but Shlomo Kabach and Abish Brot. I'm like, seriously? Like, you've got to be kidding me, Dovey. We're not listening to Abish Brot and Shlomo Kabach. We're driving down to New York. We're not having that in the car. But that's what he liked to listen to. And funny enough, um, where his, his caver is, when we went to, to visit one of the occasions, um, I, there, was, there was music playing and there were a lot of people singing there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it must be Shlomo Kabach's yard site or something. And I Googled it. And sure enough, it was Shlomo Kabach's yard site. And he's buried one chalka over from Shlomo Kabach. Wow. I'm like, How far is that? Like in English terms. You're talking about, um, there's literally 
uh, a little road, like you, like a car can just pass through and you, it's like one section over. Wow. Um, that he's buried that section. He's um, buried one section over from Shomo Kaaba. So I was like, how appropriate is that, that that's where Debbie is, is buried. Have you seen any other correlations like from his life and now? In, the, in that sense? No, but it just, he, he really just. Cause Lagba Omer, I'm saying he probably loved Lagba Omer. Um, you know, it's, he, I don't know if he loved, he loved anything that brought him closer to Hashem. He loved Vekas. He loved, he went to Rebbe's a lot. He, he loved going to the Vision to Rebbe for the Yom Naram. He went there for Yom Kippur. He loved going to the Tasha Rebbe for Brachos. He liked going anywhere where he can feel closer to Hashem. That was what he was all about. At such a young age, that's so incredible. Yeah, he really had, like I said, he had a very old soul. Yeah. When I was speaking to your husband, he mentioned that Davi's thing that he also focused on was emuna and faith in Hashem. Now, I see that what you and your family are doing with Animamin, you put out a safer and the Animamin cards. And by the way, I want to say I said Animamin today. And his you. you're welcome. And your husband was telling me that within like just one week of announcing this, over 10,000 people started saying Animamin. Can you talk about faith? Like, how did he have such strong emuna? And can you share a story of him, like an emuna story about him? Well, first of all, I, I really believe that for some people, Ani Mamun is embedded in their DNA. It's, it's just who they are. It's, it's part of who they are. They're born with it. You know, for some people, it's just easier than for others. For Zavi, it was part of every fiber of his being. He was born that way. For my husband, he was born that way. For my husband's grandfather, he was born that way. It's it's who they are. It's what they breathe. It's what they eat. It's they wake up in the morning. It's it's like their coffee. It's it's just I'm not like that. I'm a work in progress. That's who they are. 
it's not everyone. Some people can become like that and it's, they have to work on it. For some people, it's more natural. For Dubby, it really truly was a natural thing. He didn't have to work on it. I'm jealous of those people that don't have to work on it because it's so easy. Somehow there's no questions. It's just, it's acceptance and it makes life much easier. Um, it would have made, it would make my life much easier if I could accept things so easily because then I wouldn't have so many questions, but that's not who I am. But Dovey was like that. Um, a story, there are so many, but you know, just a, a funny one, you know, we, we like to say it and we've said it so many times. Um, Dovey had a motorized bike and, you know, it was a cute one. He had a motorized bike and he would drive that bike to Yeshiva every single day, but he never locked the bike. And everyone knows that in, in Israel, if you don't lock something up, you're just not going to find it in the morning because forget the morning, you're not going to find it in, in an hour because anything precious, you got to lock because it just won't be found because it's gone. But he knew that Hashem knew that he had to get to Yeshiva every day and he never bothered to lock it. And every morning he came down from his apartment and every morning that bike was there and his friends were amazed. Like, Davi, why don't you just lock it? He's like, I don't need to lock it. Hashem knows I need this bike to get to Yeshiva. It's going to be there. And he had that bike for a really long time. And that bike was always there. And it was like a joke already. And then when Davi was nifter, that bike went to my other son, my married son who was living in Eretz Yisrael. And... My son locked the bike. He was living in Machal and he really did know better. And he locked that bike. And one morning he came down from his apartment and the bike like was broken. The bike lock was broken. And he was so upset. He was really aggravated. Like I locked the bike. Why is it gone? And he took a picture and he sent it to our family chat. And he's like, the bike is gone. And my kids were like, where's your faith, bro? They were, they, they were laughing at him. They were mocking him. <laughs> but the truth is, my son did not have that, that Amuna. He did not have that same faith that Dovey had. Because that's just, Dovey did have it. Wow. It was inborn. It was part of his DNA. That's incredible for people that have it part of their DNA. And there's so many people in this world that just don't have it. As you said, you're a work in progress. Can you share something with the people who are listening, who do struggle with, with Amuna, who have not gone through the tragedy that you've gone through? They're living nice lives. They don't have that many sorrows and they just don't have faith. What do you have to say to them? You know, it, I, I'm going to be very honest. You know, it's not easy. It really is not easy. And, you know, I live with a husband who it's so natural. And sometimes I want to kick and scream and say like, hello, I want to shake him. I'm like, like, like show, like, like it's not easy for me. It really isn't. And why is it so easy for you? And it gets, sometimes it makes me angry. Like, why is it so easy for you? But it's just me being jealous. That, that's the honest, that's the honest truth. And um, how do you work on it? How do you change it? Um, by us in our house, we say, faith it till you make it. It's okay. almost like fake it till you make it. It's really, it's a very slow process. It's, 
it's it's acceptance. I can't change what happened. I can't do anything about my circumstances. I really can't. And you know, we think we're in control of everything. We really do, right? We can make plans from today till tomorrow. My life was so perfectly mapped out for me. It really was. If you look at my life on pen and paper, I really had a great life. Everything was wonderful. And then it wasn't. And I think accepting the fact that I'm not in control and really, really lending my whole being into saying, God, you're, you're kind of in charge and really learning to accept that. And it's taking a long time. Yeah. I'm being very honest. It does take a very long time to accept the fact that I have very little control over my life. And it's really every day saying, I don't have that control. I'm relinquishing that control. That's making it a little bit easier. That is allowing my Amuna to grow because when you relinquish that control, that's allowing the acceptance, that Amuna to grow. But it takes time. It takes a lot of time. I'm two years into that relinquishing the control. It's not easy. It's a very slow process. And maybe my tragedy was greater. My test was greater. People don't have to wait for a great test. They don't need something so of, of such a great magnitude to affect them. A little bit of relinquishing, relinquishing control, you know. So that's like you would say, like, if somebody is really struggling with with Amuna, they don't have to necessarily learn living Amuna or all these books right no. now. Just waking up and saying, I am not in control. Hashem is in control. Really? Yeah. You know, my, my oldest son, he's um, he just turned 26. And I'm laughing because I remember when it was his bar mitzvah. Right. So that's I, I'm not good at math. So figure it out the numbers. <laughs> but his bar mitzvah. He's born Zion Nisan, which is right before Pesach. And I was figuring out when am I going to make his bar mitzvah? And I decided I'm not making it on his bow by yom. I'm not making it right before Pesach because that would mean my husband's entire extended family would be coming right before Pesach. And then, oh my God, what if they wanted to stay for Pesach, right? I'm the queen of control. I'm nuts. I'm crazy. I have everything figured out. I'm making it right after Pesach, right? They're going to come and they're going to go right home. Well, yeah, I figured it out. I had everything planned down to the last detail. Well, guess what? God showed me. There was a volcano in Iceland that had laid dormant for God knows how many years that decided to wake up and there was volcanic ash in the air. And my guests were stranded in Canada for 10 days because no one could get home. So, so much for all of my plans of no one coming and staying for an extended period of time. I should have learned my lesson that I am not in control because I did not learn anything from that because I was too young and I was too stupid and I thought I knew everything. I did not have faith in anyone other than myself. But now I learned I am not in control. I have zero control wow. and I am relinquishing my control because that's it. It's not in my hands. Mm -hmm. And it took me a lot, a lot of years 
and a lot of maturity, a lot of growth to come to that. And unfortunately, a tragedy to make me learn that. And it shouldn't have taken that. Wow. Um, no, I mean, like, I really have no words. Like, I, you're, you're such a powerful woman. And no, really, I'm not. But you, but the way that you're, you're like, you're sharing this stuff, like it's, it's powerful because you're saying it's a work in progress. It's not that you just wake up one day and it's like, okay, something horrible happened in my life. I have to just have faith in Hashem and say, yes, this is like, you're no. what you're saying, you know, like it's taking the little steps and it's not just rushing and like overnight changing. Oh, it's kicking and screaming for two years. A lot of kicking and a lot of screaming and it was a lot of anger. It really was. And I can't say that I accepted my challenge with love and, and, and open arms. No, my husband did. And he was, because of his Amuna being so, so strong, he never once questioned. He accepted it much easier than I did. I had so many questions and I needed that crystal ball, but there is no crystal ball. No. And you can search and you can wonder and you can question. There are no answers, no matter where you go or how many people you question or how loud you scream, there, there are no answers. And if there were a crystal ball, we would all be rich because we all would have won the lottery. And, you know, we would all know when Mashiach was here and we would all know when our Shadduchim were, were coming and we would all know how many children we were having and we would never have to ask any Rav or anything because we would all have our answers. But there are no crystal balls and there are no magic answers and there's no quick fixes for anything. No, there's definitely, there's definitely not. And I like that you're saying that it's step-by-step. Step. I, I I do, because there are people like, if you would have just said, you're just like your husband, the people listening to this may have been like, oh, wow. Well, like, I don't have that kind of faith. Like, like, how no. is that even possible? But the fact that you're saying that you're not like that, it shows you're human and it shows that you need time. And everybody could learn from that, that it, over time, you develop a stronger relationship and you have more amuna. Now, is there anything from the community, from you know, the Jewish nation that can give you chizuk? Anything that we can do that can give you and your family chizuk? Well, the fact that I, I can say honestly, on a daily basis, we get, I, I, I can't even tell you, like, I don't think it's ever less than 10 10 WhatsApps or 10 messages or 10 emails of people saying animamim or pictures of animamim cards in literally the most random places. We got one, I think, one was in Siberia. Like, who's in Siberia? Like, what? we didn't what? even like know that, like, random places. Like, I mean, if Timbuktu exists, that's where the animamim cards are. I mean, in Phuket, like, really? I think they are on every continent, in every country. I mean, it really, the Animamim Initiative snowballed into such a movement. Really I mean, we, we had a story, you know, I have a very close friend, a classmate of mine, she lives in Passaic. And she really, she called me when, when we started the initiative that she really wants to, you know, she wants to be our ambassador. And she wants to help us. So we sent her a box and she had a friend going to Eretz Yisrael. So she wants to know she can send some to Eretz Yisrael, some cards. And we're like, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Like whatever, you know, Anya, of course, please send as many cards as you can. So I'm not sure if I'm getting the story exactly correct, but I hope I'm getting the gist of it. 
so her friend was going to Eretz Yisrael and she was going to visit um, Chayalim all over, many lone soldiers as well. And she was going to be taking down these lone soldiers' names and going to be davening for them. So she went and she was giving out Animam cards as well. So she went to visit all these soldiers and she went to Tachana Merkazit and she was taking down names and giving out um, cards to everyone. And she was davening for them. Anyways, she went back again this year and she was in Tachana Merkazit one year later. And this soldier comes up to her and he says, oh, you're back. You daven for me. And she looks at him, she goes, yes. And she goes, I, I remember you. And she goes, you're, I don't know, this and this name. He goes, you remember me? And she goes, yes. And he goes, come, I want to take a picture with you. I want to send it to my mother so that she can see who was davening for me. Oh. And they were, he was so excited to see her. She was so excited to see him. And it's just- Why well, the chills? Such a special story that, he was so touched that this woman, this from woman was davening for his safety yeah. a whole year. And he was so touched that somebody cared enough about him. And he was saying, Ani Mama, this was like his, his card. This was his ticket, this, you know, his Kamea, so to speak, this, you know, his safety nets. And he was saying, no, Ani Mama. I, I, I love that story because it reminded me of what you said last night in your speech, where how Dovey um, paid for that man's groceries for however long, every two weeks, he would charge his credit card and look at him helping, like his nishama is, and his, like who he was, is making a ripple effect in making other people, cause other people to feel that way, you know, cared for, yeah. which is what he did. Now, like, it's incredible. Um, for the people that don't know the story, I guess I could just say quickly that, there was a man who didn't have money to pay for things in the Makola and Dovey gave his credit card um, to him, saw him in the street. He waved him. One of his friends said, who, you know him? He said, oh, I pay for, he has my credit card. So that's that story, which is incredible to sh like that. He, it's incredible what he's doing. People are caring about other people, just like he cared about other people. Now, if you would, I don't know if this is possible to answer, but do you know what your son's essence was? Like if you could, Figure out like his what his essence was. What is it? Because there's so much he giving. giving. He was just a giving person. He truly, everything he had was for others. He he didn't need for himself. He just didn't. He wanted other people to have. I I'm like trying to like understand that at such a young age how how someone doesn't just want to have for themselves and protect their own things. Like, as you say, he left the bike unlocked. He just kept giving and giving, which is incredible. Yeah, he didn't need whatever. He, he really believed that whatever he needed, Hashem would take care of for him. So whatever he had was not for him to keep. It was for Yenim. It was for someone else. Wow. Is there anything else that you would like to share about your son before we wrap up this interview? Duffy believed that everything in this world was, was really given by Hashem for us to use to benefit and to give further. Hashem, and he said it a hundred times, and we got we actually got angry at him for using the terms. I said it last night, Hashem Nasan, Hashem Lakach. Because it's a very mature 
way of speaking. It's not a term that we use frequently in a loose way. It, it's it just it was almost inappropriate for him to use, but really he believed it um, that Hashem gives and Hashem takes. Um, we usually use it when 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 somebody is nifter or, or or like when when some when someone's taken at a young age. Right. Um, but he really believed that Hashem just gives everything for people to use to benefit from, and he really everything that he had he he used and he gave generously with. He never kept for himself. He didn't need things. He loved, and I have to I have to say that from all my children, he genuinely loved beautiful things. He was a fine schmecker. He he dressed carefully. He liked nice things. He appreciated nice things, but he didn't need it. That's but he a, did appreciate things. Did that give you a sense of Nuhama that he said the, those words? Hashem Nasan Vashem Laka? No, we it didn't. It, it was we almost felt like when we when we looked back at our Pesach when he used those words, we felt it was almost like a premonition. Oh, and wow. it was we were a little freaked out about it. We were like, oh my God, like he, he used those words. What was he saying to us? Um, it was almost as if he knew. It was like his neshama was talking to us. It's like there was a sign. He, he knew he was, he was telling us something, which is for him getting the message. Which he didn't even know. No. Wow, he sounds really like extraordinary. Um, and are you in touch with any of the families from the tragedy? Um, I do speak to one, um, to one mother who I'm friends with. Um, I spoke to one or two once or twice. Um, most of the, most of the families just really time constraints. Um, a lot, one or two live in, in Europe, Israel just doesn't lend itself. So not really. I did meet one um, one mother from Israel. I had gone to a Shabbaton for bereaved families. I met her, but there was a bit of a language barrier. Um, you know, everyone has their own their own package, their own tragedy, their own way of dealing with things. I don't feel that one person's pain, you know. Everyone has to deal with it their own way. Yeah. So everyone just says, you know, everyone does their own thing. The part, the 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 um, mantra of the show is it's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. Meaning that Hashem gives everybody their own package and you have a choice to choose what you do with that package. And the fact that you took this and you really, I mean, it's two years, it's a very short amount of time and that you're encouraging people to have faith in Hashem and Ani Maman movement, and you're doing so good um, for the community and bringing people closer to Hashem, which ultimately will bring Mashiach, Bezrat Hashem. Um, it's incredible that 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 is what you did with what you have. Thank you. We try. You're, you're from, from speaking to you, speaking to your husband, you're really, I know you're going to say, no, it's not true. I'm just a regular person. You're really an incredible person that you're able to inspire people. And I'm, I have no doubt in my mind, as I started this interview, something, something very special about Davi's Neshama that he's able to touch people's hearts, something about him. I, I watched the Leviah and something about him, I don't know, touched everybody's hearts. Um, and I'm just like, 
listen, I hope Ezra Hashem will come really, really soon. Um, and okay. hopefully he's moving things in Shamayim. And I have no doubt in my mind that the Animamin movement really became so big because he's doing something up there. He's moving pieces that you just don't see. Um, and thank you so much for being here. I really do appreciate it. I know it's not easy, but I really do appreciate you thank taking Thank you for having me, Malia. You're welcome. And I really hope that people will continue to learn on Imam and it's just going to get bigger and bigger. And they say at the time of Mashiach, people are going to come closer to Hashem. People are going to start recognizing Hashem. And that's how you know Mashiach is coming. And um, I think that through this movement of Animamin and having faith in Hashem is really going to bring Mashiach because that's what it says um, at the end of the days, um, if that's how you say it. <laughs> but um, I think so. But anyways, thank you so much. If you could just say your son's Hebrew name so that someone could say a bracha or do a mitzvah in his name, Lilo Nishmas. It's Yisachar Dov Berish Ben Shlomo. Yisachar Dov Berish Ben Shlomo. May his neshama have an aliyah. And Amen. So that like, I don't know how you say it either, but I know people- that all of Kalyas are always should be zochet to have Mashiach Kambim Hera Amen. Amen, Amen. Thank you so much for being here. On Hebrew hits, um, I'm your host Malia. This is Mrs. Fagie Steinmetz. I really did appreciate speaking with you. Thank so, you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Brought down. What happens when you put the bottle of water in the freezer? It gets frozen. Guess the why you freeze it? Because what do you mean everyone else is frozen? When you add a bottle of mashka in the freezer, what happens? That's a warm. warm. And it, when you drink it, it's still warm. It may get a bit cold on the outside, but it's still warm. And you ask him, why are you freezing? Everyone else is freezing. So just because everyone else is freezing doesn't mean I have to freeze. Oh. oh. Get an air Shabbos. I know we're not in Yeshiva, but Taimeo Chaim Zuchi applies even at home. I have a good Shabbos. Chaim Hagif and Atzlocha Gezunt Panusa Nachas. Remember the brochas at the bottom. Be a sa mo si